Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Bill and Ted face the music. Is it time to return to the Haunted Mansion? And we remember the life of Chadwick Boseman. All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, if you can like, support, share, follow, whatever you can do for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, we truly appreciate it. Plus, I wanted to go ahead and give an extra special shout-out to our coverage on the Lakers Fast Break. Each and every day, we're covering the NBA playoffs. So if you can, give us a listen at the Lakers Fast Break. It is also... Truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own gamer deluxe of pop culture cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, his great shows, Topic Ocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his book, which you need to go ahead and check out right away Congratulations, You Suck, which is now available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? I'm just browsing these, uh, this, all the GamesCon announcements. Not a lot of exciting stuff going on. What, were you expecting big announcements? Because I kind of was, and I feel very disappointed, unless they're going to like change my mind today. You know, I don't think they're going to change your mind today, so I don't think we'll have anything new to add, so I don't think there's any rush for us to go ahead and have like a later recording on this. So I will tell you right now that I am truly disappointed in Gamescom this year. I don't think Gamescom really was that big and influential, which is kind of a shame because in the years leading up to this year, it was actually on the rise. It was challenging E3. Obviously, popularity-wise, it was trouncing E3 because the fact that when people were able to go to Gamescom like last year and the year before and the year before... It was always open to the public, so you would have always well over 100,000, 150,000, 180,000 people attending it. So just by the sheer number of gamers heading towards Gamescom, that part of it would always end up beating E3 because E3, as you know, just now started getting into letting in people, letting in the general public. But as far as news is concerned, there was more and more developers and publishers wanting to bring news, uh, show footage, 
bring out new games uh, into the whole Gamescom experience. And that seems to be a little bit subdued this year. I think it goes back to what we've talked about already with what we've seen with E3, what we've seen with uh, San Diego Comic-Con. All these publishers want to start doing their own thing. And if that's the case, especially the big ones, they're going to go ahead and hold everything for themselves or save it for like a Sony State of Play or a Nintendo dropping their own thing or even an Xbox dropping their own thing. They're going to save it for their shows to try and go ahead and appease those big publishers instead. Microsoft usually does their own, does something at Gamescom. They usually have some kind of conference there. So I was kind of expecting them to talk more about the Xbox Series X and when, you know, when that will be dropped. Because I saw over the weekend Best Buy started playing PlayStation 5 commercials, but you still can't pre-order them. So I was expecting like a, either and a price point or a release date. And we are now hitting September. We're two months away from the the release of these consoles. And I am under the impression from both parties that they're just not ready to come out. You know, because we're there, we still don't have a release date, still don't have a price point. I feel like we're going to have the release date, and then a week later it'll drop, or it'll just say, "Hey, available today." Like, I this is not giving me confidence in what these consoles are going to do, and I I feel like neither of them are ready to to be released. I don't feel like they're ready either, and you see already with the signs with PlayStation severely limiting its pre-orders for its own PlayStation Five. And Xbox, you really don't hear much about it at all as far as, like you said, with a you know exact release date or exact... We don't even know the price of the actual units themselves, which is going into it really bad because people at this point in time, more than any other, need to know what a price is because money is kind of tighted because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus. So... I don't know, my friend. Both are not planning this out well. And I think this is going to go down in history as saying, you know what? Maybe they should have waited at least a year or more. Yeah, I mean, and I know Corona is kind of slowing things down a little bit. But by all uh, appearances, it seems to be that these consoles, like I'm wondering if they were even ready to be released before Corona happened. Like, I don't. I know that the, as far as like the distribution chain goes, I know things are damaged just a tiny bit, but I, I don't think that it's really harming a whole lot of things. So it makes me wonder, like, w- were these even prepared to go out? You know, it's just, you know, and I look at the slow year of gaming that we've had, like what, what exactly is going on? Is Microsoft and Sony, are they even putting effort into this? Like you have, there's a lot of expectations hinging on this and there's just, it, it seems like people just aren't getting what they're, I guess not expecting, but people aren't getting what they're needing from these even before release. Especially because that there's a great possibility that this could be one of the higher price point releases for a general new upgrade into a, a new evolution of gaming so because playstation 4 and xbox one they're rumored to be as high as 600 dollars. and although the playstation 3 and occasionally it gets to that high amount units they want to go ahead and sell if they're rumored to be around five six hundred dollars people need to know that people need to understand that you know, holidays around the corner. Again, money is tight because of COVID. And these publishers, Xbox and PlayStation, they just need to understand people need to save money for it. If you want to get, sell these during the holiday season, even in any short supply, you need to understand that that 
people need to know how much this stuff costs and so they can go ahead and allocate their money. They just don't have five, $600 always lying around. Yeah. And like it, it, from a consumer perspective, especially now considering COVID times, like people are going to start doing their Christmas shopping in September. You know, if something, if there's a sale going on, people are going to do some Christmas shopping. Like they're going to start gathering things up now, as opposed to blowing a bunch of money all at once during December, just because I don't think people will be able to afford to do that this year. So really like if you want people to buy these consoles you need to give them a release date you need to give them a price point and especially at a higher price point the fact that we don't know anything about it yet it goes to show me that like it doesn't give me a lot of faith and it goes to show me that they don't really have a lot of faith in their own products it shows me as well and that's that's a very concerning sign I'm leaning not going ahead and buying a new system anytime soon because uh, it just if they're not prepared to go ahead and share their wares in full, at least at this point in time, it's not at the absolute end part as far as the where you should be setting it, but at least, at least give some people pr uh, preparation time. You you can, don't have any type of of leeway now. You're you're in that window where you need to tell people right now how much your unit is costing. What are the parameters? Are you having more than one model? Xbox has already said they're going to have more than one model, but what are the price points? What are the, the specs on each of them? We need to know these things. What's the availability? We need to know these things now because if you don't, there are going to be a lot of consoles for the next generation still sitting on shelves by the end of the year. And like I'm predicting right now that there will be like I have a feeling that I probably won't even need to pre-order anything. I just go up to Target or Walmart and pick one up because nobody's, you know, and if there's no news now, nobody's really going to I feel like nobody's really going to know anything about them coming out when they do come out. So it's I'm on the fence right now. I just I really don't trust putting that volume of money into a purchase that is has just been not talked about by anybody. I'm on the fence too, but I'm actually kind of leaning more off of it right now than on. But we'll have to wait and see, my friend, as we go on month by month, because it doesn't seem like there's anything breaking when it comes to these big two, when it comes to the next generation of consoles and gaming. So I am concerned as you are in regards to the future of the Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and the PlayStation 5. Want to hear everyone's thoughts out there on this current generation? Are you ready to buy now? Are you still confused or are you still kind of hesitant because PlayStation and Microsoft have both been very reluctant to give out any kind of real information on the availability and price point for either of their new systems? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a great episode that we're going to be talking about a lot of great things, but we are going to spend time here in a couple minutes on the late Chadwick Boseman. Hopefully we're going to go ahead and, and pay a nice tribute to him over the next few minutes. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about Class Action Park on HBO Max, Bill and Ted's Face the Music, 
Josh is going to have some reviews coming up for you. And also PUBG Mobile being promoted by Epic. What's the story there coming up later in the show? And Haunted Mansion could be seeing a movie from that from Disney once again. But first, my friend, it is the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Obviously, most people know him from his role as King T'Challa in Black Panther. Just It was shocking. Came out of nowhere for a lot of people. In fact, our good friend Noah Ian Fine said that exact same words today, that this is just, just something very tragic. He had been experiencing at least uh, stage three, most assuredly probably went up to stage four, colon cancer since 2016. He's been battling it and... It's just truly a tragic story for such a great actor. Had so much more left to give to this world, not only uh, just on the screen, but off. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the passing of Chadwick Boseman. When we heard the news, it just devastated. The tweet honoring his memory from his family that posted it on his Twitter account. It's the most liked tweet ever. So I want to hear your thoughts on the passing of Chadwick Boseman. So I was... I was actually sitting there watching, rewatching Suicide Squad. It was not a great idea, but I just wanted to refresh my memory on it. When Suffer this, through the pain, man. Movie. Suffer through the pain. Yeah, I actually, when we're done talking about Chadwick Boseman, I need to talk to you about the Harley Quinn movie for a second. So I, I remember sitting there watching this. All of a sudden, that pop. My brother sends me this text message and says, "Chadwick Boseman dead." I'm like, "No, no." It's like that whole the the whole, the reaction I felt when I got a text saying Paul Walker was dead. You know, I'm like, no, that's not true. That that can't, no. And so I look it up. All these articles are popping up. Chadwick Boseman died of colon cancer. And like, you know, at first I was like, oh, it's going to be like Corona or they're going to assume it's Corona or whatever. And, but it's, it wasn't. It was colon cancer. And then I sit there thinking, I'm like, I didn't even know he had colon cancer. Like I, I knew nothing about it. And to think that he was diagnosed in 2016, he has accomplished so much in this four years that he has you know, since his diagnosis, like I knew nothing about it. You know, I had no idea. And there he is playing this like physically exhausting part in Black Panther. And he played the cop and I forget what that movie was called, but he's just, he's done so much in such a short period of time. And the he's, Bridges he's movie become, with the Bridges movie yeah, with, with 20, 21 Bridges. Yeah. yeah. 21 Bridges. And he's just, he's become like a, an icon for people, a pop culture icon. And it's just, it's, it was shocking to to read about this because, you know, again, I had no idea. And it's just, it's one of those things where like you look at these people on TV or these superheroes, especially in these Marvel and DC films. And you're like, they are, they are heroes in real life. You know, there's no way anything could hurt them. You know, people, they could survive a crime. They could survive car accidents. They could survive anything because they are heroes. And then you think about somebody like in the context of black Panther being taken out by, by cancer and you just it it it's kind of emotionally devastating it is you know? uh, and like i yeah it was it was just very sad man when i got the news and, and my daughter actually told it to me because it it popped up on her apple id and i i i thought she was wrong i thought come on that's that's some fake news stuff come on that can't be right and then i she said no it's posted by variety it's posted by hollywood reporter i'm like oh my gosh then you know because they're two of the most legit entertainment news outlets that i have a tendency to believe a lot what they say so i looked into it yeah sure enough and man it was just so devastating uh i was i sat there and i was i i was i was taken aback because 
You didn't know. He did. He made no public inference to this that he was having this battle. I know uh, a lot of people were kind of worried in with some of his latest uh, or most recent video uh, offerings that he was looking uh, not so well. So people thought it might have been for role, but they weren't. They were kind of concerned. But yeah, he really gave the public no inference on this, and just amazing that he was going through all this, but yet he was still able to do so much. Well, what does that tell you too about his personality? Like he didn't make any public mention of it. And it's because, you know, he did not want any and, and here's another thing, like during all like the all the political stuff going on, he never like got up there and you know, made a, a plea for like most people make these big pleas for like, yeah, you know, for like sympathy and stuff. And he never once did that. Like he was a very humble man. And he is like, while Black Panther was not my favorite Marvel film, I did really enjoy it. Like I admired the man a great deal. Like he, he was such a great person. Like he did so many things for people. He was involved in charities. He never wanted people to feel sorry for him. He's a, a perfect, a shining example of how somebody can rise above their circumstances this sounds cold hearted, but I don't usually care when celebrities pass away just because like, you know, it is sad, but it's just like, I don't have any connection to them, but I do have this as a comic book fan. I did have feel a connection to Chadwick Boseman and it is, yeah, it, it, it was a very emotional loss. And my wife was very affected by it as well when she heard the news because she heard it late. She, she didn't hear it right away and she couldn't believe it. Like, like a lot of people, we didn't believe you know, you tell me that, or I, I told you that, or, you know, however this word is getting passed out about his death, we're just like, come on, he's Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah that, you you got to be kidding, die. man. Yeah, can't, die. can't that's, die. That's one of those things where you say, oh, this person has died and it's a fake thing. And, you know, you just uh, click bait and you go ahead and you read like 15 ads to tell you, oh, no, he's actually alive. No, he, it just was devastating. You know, everybody in my family was, was very sad at, at upon the news and, I did watch Black Panther last night, hopefully as a tribute in some small way to to his greatness. And I'm just so sad at this point in time. And I know you are as well. And I know millions upon millions are are really sad tonight about about his passing because of the influence he has about about the the legacy he leaves. Even though he doesn't have the huge embodiment of films, he still has many great appearances as Jackie Robinson in '42. In fact. He passed away on on such a momentous day for the history of Jackie Robinson. Uh, it's so ironic that that happened, but he's got a lot of roles under his belt that are of note. And but Black Panther, it, it's just so sad to see all this is going to have to change because of such a tragic death. Because he had so much more to give, not just for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but for for all of us in the world as well. Yeah, I mean, and and look at it. It's, it's it's honestly, it's like being told Superman's dead. You know, it's it's just it feels like it it was an impossibility. And I know Black Panther two is scheduled to go into production uh, in a few months, and I I'm curious like what they're going to do about that now. And I I would hope that they would you know write his part off, not just replace the actor, but like continue that legacy in a way that's honoring to him. And like he went out at having taken part in one of like the the most momentous pop culture moments in history in Avengers Endgame and like he will absolutely always be remembered. He will definitely be remembered indeed and I want to give a big shout out to Troy Brewer of the Discovery Community Network who's uh, sharing our video as we speak and sending out the love and respect that we have for Chadwick Boseman. Also as well Jessica Boggs for leaving her comment 
Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. And just there's so many out there that are so devastated by by his death. And uh, again, I want to ask you this, my friend, as we continue our discussion on Chadwick Boseman, is there's going to be a difficult conversation that takes place soon at Marvel Studios. When is the appropriate time to start having these conversations? Because you you alluded to Black Panther too. You know, there are things are going to have to be changed. I know a lot of fans out there are already saying they don't want his role recast, per se, and a new King T'Challa take place. But when is the proper time, for, even for us on this show, when is the proper time for us to go ahead and start talking about the plans going ahead for, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to the Black Panther series and, and all that? Because I, I'm hoping it will continue in some form or fashion. So, uh, you know, in regards to that, like, I would love to see, I obviously like just from a production standpoint, it had, the show has to go on, right? Like, but I would like to see maybe his younger sister take on the role of Black Panther or some, whoever was next in line for the throne. But I would like to see them do it in a way that is honoring to Chadwick Boseman, you know, not, not in a simple, like Paul Walker driving away in the end of Fast and Furious way, but in a way that's that they truly like honor who was, you know, maybe there's, there's some kind of story that can go into that. I, I'm, I wonder if it's, you know, because it, everything at Marvel so backed up right now, I wonder if Black Panther three is something they can remove from the schedule and kind of, you know, put more to, sorry, Black Panther two, it's something they can take off the schedule and put more time into it, put more thought, kind of figure out they're going to have what their next move is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I would hope that when they do continue on, you know, I agree. I don't want to see his his part recasted. I'd like to see, you know, maybe the role the the mantle of Black Panther be passed on to somebody else, and then I'd like to see something with them honoring him. Maybe they have like a a scene. Maybe they can go back and film something that has all the Avengers. You know, kind of having this moment of silence for him. Something that that pays respect to to a hero that that kind of came out of nowhere right we have this uh not a lot of people had heard of black panther and once that movie came out like it had not just the box office revenue but just like the the cultural reverence yeah cultural and inspirational reverence from millions yep it, it does have a cultural relevance probably more than any other movie in the marvel cinematic universe and spoken to big hoss spoken to tj johnson who hopefully i will get some thoughts of from very soon and i'm just hearing those guys as far as their love for black panther and what it's done for the black community and what it's done for pop culture as a whole uh, those are some of my best episodes my best interviews uh, that i've ever had and hearing the joy and the pride that they had when they were discussing black panther and what it meant to them it was just truly inspirational and again, I'm, I'm hoping to have some more interviews like that coming up here in the in the you know not too distant future on that. So I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say now that we we will have a discussion more in in more detail on the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to Black Panther. But before you go ahead, I want to just say I know like you said, Shuri's been talked about already, Okoye and Akia. Um, again, I, I want to get my thoughts together on that, but, uh, you know, there's still just a devastating time that we need to go ahead and remember Chadwick Boseman. So can I, I, I have one more thought before we close out here. Like you had mentioned just what a great figure he was amongst the African-American community. I want to mention, you know, look at it like this, like 
he was a great figure that not just was inspirational to the African-American community, but to everybody at large. Yeah. So that to me, like that truly speaks like volumes about what kind of person he was. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's just such a devastating loss in the, the community of pop culture. And we, as we continue to go ahead in the coming days, mourn the loss of Chadwick Boseman and, contributions that he made not only again with black panther but everything that he did in his career and both on and off the screen uh, going forward there's going to be some tough decisions that marvel's going to have to make in regards to how they go ahead moving forward because he was going to obviously play a key role down the line not just in black panther 2 but beyond and we'll go ahead here and keep updating you on what's going on Hopefully, as we hear more in the coming weeks and months, but again, uh, we want to just go ahead and just remember the life of, of Chadwick Boseman, just such a great contributor to our lives, great contributor to our pop culture, and, you know, with so much going on out there this year, 2020 has been, been really lousy, my friend, for everybody concerned, but cancer sucks, man, just cancer really sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. I've, you know, I've, I've known some people who have, who are battling it and who have battled it and it's not an easy road for anybody. Nope. Nope. As someone who has had uh, mom and dad go through it, it's not, uh, it's not fun indeed, but we do want to hear your thoughts out there. Just like Troy Brewer, just like uh, Jessica Boggs, they're sharing their thoughts, knowing you and fine sharing his thoughts. Just so many people out there sharing their thoughts on Chadwick Boseman. Again, his the Twitter announcing his death and the memories and the great statement that was there alongside of it. Uh, it is the most liked tweet ever on Twitter, and that's uh, saying something. So if you have any thoughts on, on the late Chadwick Boseman and the contributions that he made to the black community, pop culture, the Marvel Cinematic Universe his movie career, anything at all, please, you can always share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media, game source, and, you know, pretty much anywhere you get your social media, including TikTok as well. Well, my friend, uh, it's been tough the past few minutes talking about the late Chadwick Boseman, but I know you had reviews coming up before we hit the break. I sure do. Can I ask you a question real quick? Oh my gosh. Here it comes. Go ahead. So much like you despise movie King Arthur, I watched Birds of Prey last night and it was horrible. You had to, you had said to me that you thought it was an okay movie. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll I'll give it a shot. And I sat down, I just I did not like a single minute of it. And it had nothing to do with like the the overall like man hating tone of the movie. It, that didn't bother me at all. I thought it was actually like very well acted very well uh you know the characters are very well portrayed but it was just like it was the writing and the editing was bad it was, the story was so jumbled like it was really hard to follow what what were your overall thoughts on the movie i just don't remember very much of it that's the problem it goes it went by <laughs> it just watched it and it just went by i just thought it was all right but forgettable. That's the problem. You know, there were some solid, really good reviews on it, and I'm just questioning myself why. I thought it was okay, but I just this is a year. This this actually details the year 2020 that there have not 
been a lot of great things to come out on the cinema or streaming mm-hmm. this year, period, which I'll go into here later. But I want to go ahead and say that my thoughts on it is just, it was just, eh, it was just there. And that's the problem. It needed to be something more. Otherwise, yeah. other, you know, it's a movie that if it had done well and it had really you know, garnered an interest, I think DC might have a big future for it. But now that it's just eh, and it performed eh at the box office, they may make another one, Birds of Prey 2, just to, you know, make sure that Margot Robbie's happy if she wants to go ahead and move on with it. But as a vehicle for her character, I think what it's done now with Birds of Prey and the lack of success is it's garnered a lot of less interest in the Harley Quinn character going forward because I know a lot of people were just like, okay, she's in Suicide Squad? Okay. Nobody was really caring about whether or not if it was relating to her story in Birds of Prey or not. Uh, And that's that's the thing. That's the kind of imprint it leaves. So I'm kind of, you know, I don't want to say concerned, but, uh, you know, it just shows that, that not a lot of people are enjoying now Harley Quinn and the character Margot Robbie, who plays very well. But unfortunately, it's left. It's not leaving a great imprint now because I think people have become a little bit fatigued by her character. Yeah. So okay, here here's my thought on this: is that the Suicide Squad? It should have just been called the Harley Quinn movie. So you go back here and you watch Suicide Squad. Was like it was a very boring film. You know, I think it was a bad. Now that was bad. Uh, I mean, okay, let me put you this way: to me, Birds of Prey is an Academy Award winning movie compared to Suicide Squad. So in Suicide Squad, like I've actually been thinking about this a lot. What made the movie so bad? The characters were slightly enjoyable. I did. I thought that Will Smith was such a high caliber actor that he kind of like overshadowed all of the other characters, you know? And then I really do enjoy Captain Boomerang. I think he is like one of the funniest parts of that movie. But for the most part, like it's just it is so jumbled and disconnected and so boring. The whole movie outside of the you know, the hour long, the hour of backstory we get is just them walking from one building to the next. And then they have five, five, not one, but five Harley Quinn flashbacks in this movie. There is no reason for the Joker to be in this movie. What that showed was that they don't have faith enough in Harley Quinn to just let her be her own character. What this shows is Warner Brothers does not have faith in female led superhero properties. And that's really sad to me because there are a lot of really good ones out there. We're going to see her again in Suicide Squad, but that's not going to be until 2022 at the earliest. So there, at least there'll be some time now for you to go ahead and, and watch other characters from the DC realm before we go back to Harley Quinn once again. What are your thoughts out there on Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey, and Suicide Squad coming back into theaters in a couple years? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, it's the back half of the hour. Got more to talk about, uh, including some of the stuff that you've been reviewing as far as video games are concerned. So go ahead, my friend. What games have you been playing, man? 
So, you know, we've we've been to E3 a couple times, and then I went with Chad one year without you. And we see a lot of these indie games pop up that are like, yeah, that looks cool. And then you just kind of forget about them, right? So I've been sitting down, I, or I, well, I sat down on Friday, pulled out the, the Nintendo Switch, and I was just kind of like looking at what's on sale. And then I come across a short hike, and I remember seeing that at E3, and then also seeing it in a Nintendo Direct, and I'm like, this game, it sounds familiar, and it looks interesting, so I want to play it. So download it. It's $7 on the Switch shop. You can get it. It's like 80, 70 to 80% off right now, so if you guys... Have a switch, buy it. It's the game's probably about four to five hours long. You know, if you do all like the little side quests and all that, so it's worth seven dollars. Uh, so, anyways, in this game, you are literally doing what the title says. You're going on a short hike. You play like this bird, humanoid bird thing, and you're trying to get to the top of this mountain to get some cell phone reception. Right? Go figure. This is a game in 2020. Um, people love cell phones. So as you're trying to get to the top of this mountain, you're encountering all these all these individuals all over the place. It's like you're learning how to climb. You're going on little side missions to collect collect a shovel or a, or shells or whatever that person sends you off to look for. And then you're kind of like hiking around this trail, and then you need to collect these golden feathers. Like there's a there's maybe I want to say like four or five little side missions that help you get to the end of the game. But it is it's very soothing you know like they have the sound effects of the wind and like the soundtrack doesn't overpower it like you hear nature in this game and it's such like a a cartoony kids game but like i loved it like i love just sitting there and immersing myself in it and i could just kind of zone into this game and go ooh, a path and ooh, i could do a double jump here and catch the wind and glide around to this point i've never been to you're literally spending the entire game trying to get to the top of a mountain and it's a lot more fun than it sounds. Do you remember the trailers for this one? No, not really. I mean, I would have kind of remembered one where a bird-like thing looks for some cell coverage. Because I'm looking for cell coverage every day when I go to certain spots here in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Verizon must not exist in this game. Or they must all have AT&T. No, but like it is... <laughs> It looks like something that would have been developed on the Nintendo Switch, but it plays like most Switch games. It plays very smoothly and like you don't feel compelled to sit there and play it all in one sitting. But before you know it, you already have. Second thing I've been playing. Do you remember Spiritfarer? They they showed the demo of this at the last E3 about this this girl and her cat slash dog. I can't still can't tell what it is on a boat. Right. And you have to ferry souls uh into the next world so you do you remember this and you have like you put, build your buildings on your boat and you have this whole community running around your boat it's basically like a, it's a management simulator kind of yeah but it has this story where you are the replacement for Karin, the uh boat keeper of greek myth he decides it's time for him to go into the afterlife and he makes you the new the new spirit fairer and so you have this boat and over the course of the game you're you're going to different places talking to different people gathering resources to keep building up your little village on your boat because you have to create guest house for the spirits that you collect to stay in. And each spirit is like has a different character. They have a different story that they can tell you. You can fish off this boat. You have to make food. You have to make like, you have to grow stuff in your garden. Like it's a management simulator, but it's on a boat. It's a really great game. It is on Xbox Games Pass and it is free. So download it. 
send us your thoughts at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I'd really be interested to know what you think. I'm going to be posting a review of these games in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. But you know, if you have some time to kill, I think that A Short Hike and Spirit Fair are definitely two games worth diving into. I'm also going to be posting reviews this week for Sisters Royale, and then also as well, a reimagining of Destroy All Humans. I want to go ahead and share my thoughts on both of those games at popculturecosmos.com as well. So look for that. You'll also see more stuff from us coming up here when it comes to reviews because Bill and Ted Face the Music came out this past weekend versus what we saw from New Mutants, which is going to garner about $7 million this weekend, which I don't know if you want to say that's a win, but I think it's a win considering that a lot of people were excited about it. So New Mutants, $7 million at the movie theaters. But Bill and Ted Face the Music was also coming out this week on VOD. And I want to say that I got a chance to see it. And it borrows a lot from the first film. And I mean a lot as far as the concept and the ideas. And unfortunately, the movie kind of falls a little flat because of it. It's not a bad movie. It's just there. They, but again, it's nothing original. It becomes a little bit convoluted as far as the, the time jumping, which everybody seems to know and be familiar with now and how they do that. William Sadler is death. It, to me, is the only positive <laughs> really to speak of because he's back and he steals the show once again. But unfortunately, he's only in a few scenes. So you really can't go ahead and say, oh, this movie is just entirely lifted by him. But it is Bill and Ted's face music. I'm really not a huge fan of it. I've seen the other two movies. Uh, thought they were pretty good. But this one came out. It's like, eh, it was there. What was the expectation pressing play? My expectation for the movie is that I thought it would kind of create a new spin on it because the idea is for a new audience to get into it. Not you and I or not anyone that remembers the 90s movie so fondly. They will obviously have got that crowd hooked. It's to get a new audience in. But the problem is it might charm some of those people that really want to see a retread of what they've seen before when it comes to the Bill and Ted movies. But for getting some, let's say, let's say you have a, some parents and their kids, the parents might still get some interest into it, but the kids won't have any idea why you're, you were watching this because they'll just, they'll probably think it's, it stinks or they'll just, it just for them, it will not be a great time watching because they want to understand the charm of it. Is it full of eighties references like the old ones were? It's just basically, it, it takes liberally from the first movie as far as the structure okay. how it was built the synopsis for the plot there's some other side things that come into play that really makes it convoluted so it gets bogged down by itself the movie does and it it gets weighed down there's some other side things they throw in that just again it doesn't need to happen and it's just a retread pretty much of the first movie and Unfortunately, that's not really what I was hoping for. I was hoping for something a little bit different from them, and I didn't really get it. So, All right, so would you say somebody who casually has a couple hours to sit down on the couch and watch a movie, would you say that this is a good movie for them to watch? Not really, but I will tell okay. you what a good thing you should see is if you have HBO Max, and that is Class Action Park, my friend. I know you and I are on the West Coast, but you like amusement parks, don't you? 
I do. I do enjoy amusement parks. Okay. Well, if you want to know a little bit about the history of certain amusement parks, there's one in New Jersey, or there was one in New Jersey, called Action Park in the 80s and 90s, which uh, a lot of people frequented back in the day. And this park is known now these days, or almost, I should say infamous. It's infamous for the very reason that it was one of the most dangerous, in fact, the most dangerous amusement park ever built with water slides with waterfalls with wave pool with uh, a motor world with alpine slides and all of them were dangerous with motor boats yeah and and they were talking at length about the things that they did the workers that were there the injuries that would happen daily uh, by the dozens and the deaths that were involved but the way they structure it at first is so hilarious at times and you know you're just aghast at at the whole thing as far as how can this continually go on as far as all these people getting hurt all these people getting injured and yet the park stays open year after year after year and is popular year after year after year people in that area, we're using going there as a rite of passage, as scars up and down your body, as a rite of passage of going to Action Park. They were talking about the nicknames they had, like for the wave pool, calling it the grave pool. Again, it's Action Park, but they called it Traction Park and Class Action Park, man. And the things that they had to do as far as the, the kids that were running it because they were mostly hiring kids that are 14, 15, 16 running it. So you can imagine the kind of free-for-all that was going on there. People just going crazy, guests that were just doing pretty much anything that they wanted. And the you know the results and the, the things that came out of it. I mean, it's just... So funny at times the things that they described, and then it gets into a moment of sheer emotion because they describe some of the deaths that happened in the movie, uh, that happened during the course of the time, especially one in particular, because it is real. It, these deaths were real. These injuries were real. These permanent things that happened to these people because they went to Action Park. But still, at least the parts, again, that were describing about the measures that they took or lack thereof. Like for instance, they would they would have, you know how wave pools at every now and then they have to have people come out of the park to clean and whatnot at wave pools all around that that, you know, if you're near you at the water park, they would do it just to make sure that they didn't have any bodies on the bottom. And then they had these oh, big geez. and then they had these big jumps in the waterfall of what a waterfall way down twenty feet below. They had to paint the bottom white so they could make sure that there were no bodies down there. Nobody hit their head on anything. They talked about electrocutions. They talked about people getting impaled. It just all the stuff that is, you got to laugh or you're really going to feel just really feel all these weird emotions coming up. But it is really impactful and just it makes you go say, wow, how did this place even exist? So let me ask you this. Like you say dangerous, like I'm picturing this all in my head. It sounds like that uh, was that movie Johnny Knoxville Action Park or whatever it is where he runs the theme park and people get hurt. Yeah. What makes it dangerous? Is it the fact that everything's very poorly built or they just like, you know, cranked everything up to a, an unnecessary notch of power? Well, first of all, Johnny Knoxville, his interview with. Oh, uh, 
Jimmy, Jimmy, Ki- Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. Yeah. Johnny Knoxville's interview with Jimmy Kimmel is at the preface of it where they talk about action park and their memories really? of action park. So that's prefaces the whole thing, but yeah, about how this is so dangerous, but getting back to your question is, it, yeah, is because the people behind it, the individual that, that came up with the idea, the individual that, that uh, got the financing for it, the individual that got, you know, was responsible for it, did a lot of the engineering himself and thought, oh, let's go ahead and do this, the type of deal with a loop, you know, loop on a water slide or this something, stuff that really, you know, didn't have a lot of thought put into it, but just thought it would be a crazy idea. You know, some of the stuff was created on cocktail napkins, to give you an idea. And so, so, so was Twilight, though. So let's yeah. be. Uh... <laughs> OK, OK, well, fair enough. But, you know, some of the stuff was really how it got invented, how it got built. It was just crazy. And obviously a lot of people suffered for it. But the thing is, droves of people came back year after year after year, knowing the danger. But they would go back because of the fact that they felt like it's a rite of passage. That that to me is almost astonishing in and of itself. So, again, this movie is in detail. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and check out the a a coverage of it, Defunct Land on YouTube does it does a nice job for 15 minutes. But if you really want to go into detail and a deep dive on everything about Action Park, if whether you attended there or whether you just want to know about the world's most dangerous theme park ever if you want to check out class action park on hbo max it is one of the best documentaries of the year uh, per se i i did see mcmillions i thought that was a huge winner this is stands along right there and i think it just shows that hbo really does a great job but again uh, more and more these documentaries are really garnering favor with me as some of the best products i've seen on tv streaming or the cinema this year well, I'm intrigued. I do want to check it out. Can I ask you one more question? Mm-hmm. Do they make people sign waivers before going into this, or is it just kind of like a free-for-all? It's the 80s, man. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, true. All right, all right. I'm intrigued now. I do. As soon as I finish high score, I think I'm going to jump on over to this one. You should. It's it's a one-watch type deal. It's, it's not a series. It's a one-watch type deal. Let me put it this way. When the owner is forced to get insurance and he creates his own insurance company in order to go ahead and provide insurance and it's a fake insurance company, that tells you something right there. It is Class Action Park. It's on HBO Max. If you really want to be surprised and aghast at how this could actually happen, I'm going to go ahead and check out Class Action Park today on HBO Max. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, we've got a little bit more to talk about before we head on out, and that is PUBG Mobile being promoted by Epic. That's right. Uh, the people behind, obviously, the, the just the big game known as Fortnite, which is undergoing a lot of issues right now as far as the mobile end with both their fight against Apple 
and also Google as far as them promoting PUBG as an alternative, which is so crazy for them to go ahead to the point where Epic are, are just, I think it's Tim Sweeney that were just promoting PUBG Mobile as far as an alternative is concerned, which is crazy, my friend, because it's come to the point where this fight, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Fortnite players are having to build, you know, they're talking about doing stuff in Fall Guys that remind them of Fortnite. They're playing older versions of Fortnite. It just seems to me that this is getting way out of hand between Apple and Google and Fortnite and the gamer, the player, is the one that's losing out most of all. So there's a lot of weird things going on here. So one, Apple's, their lawsuit is not just attacking Epic, it's attacking Unreal, the company that makes the the engine for Unreal. And this is affecting a whole lot of other games because all these games are developed on either Unreal or Unity. And Unreal is kind of the, the big one here. And so what's funny is Apple was heavily promoting PUBG instead of Fortnite. And then Epic went over and promoted Fortnite instead of PUBG because Apple was basically trying to troll epic but apple has since removed everything epic has ever made off of their their app store and so this they terminated their their profile like they terminated their content creator account so what this is going to show is like this is not a good thing for apple to be doing right now because apple is under investigation as well as twitter and facebook and this is just not a great move because i think it is going to show like there are shady business practices going on right here well remember google's doing much of the same thing as well Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if this is their act, they're taking, you know, legal actions against Epic and Unreal, like this is going to have, we're going to start seeing the dominoes fall falling. It's also ironic because a lot of the stuff that are on Apple games are also developed on the Unreal engine. So this could have Apple is essentially, you know, covering themselves in paper cuts and jumping in shark infested water. Like they're, they're bringing about something that's going to be very bad for them in the end. And I think that there's going to have to be some kind of settlement before this gets really ugly. And it's already kind of becoming incredibly ugly. It is becoming incredibly ugly. And it's very, very sad to see. But again, I know Epic, some of the things that have come out is that Epic has wanted a special deal for Fortnite with Apple and Google. I don't think they should get that, my friend. Uh, No matter how popular Fortnite is, they should not get a separate deal for a better cut than what other publishers on that. It should be straight across the board. Maybe you should lower, Apple and Google should lower the publisher's thing. I know they probably won't, but uh, Fortnite should not get a special deal no matter how big they are. Well, 30% is a lot of money, especially well, I, considering the sales that yeah. Fortnite makes. But it, again, so, the, if they if they get a cut, let's say go this to 15, that's not fair to others that still have to pay 30. Right, and that's, you know, that's my next point here is that these other companies, they can't afford to go to war with Apple. Epic can't afford to go to world, war with Apple. So I would hope that if things turn out well for Epic, this would create a, a re-examination all across the board for all these companies who have to give 30% of their profits to Apple. Because if you're not making a whole lot of profits, 30% is, is it can make quite the difference in whether or not you, you, know, you make your next quarter two earnings or quarter three earnings. It can make quite a difference. And that's a shame that it, this is still continuing. This is still moving on. This is still going on. 
between Apple and Google and Epic, but I don't see this ending anytime soon unless something comes out of left field, like a settlement like you were talking about, Josh. But I don't think this is going to end anytime soon because, like you said, Epic has a lot of money stored up, and they're still getting a lot of money from whoever's playing on PC, whoever's playing on PS4, who's ever playing on Xbox One. So they're getting a, a lot of cash still. So they're still being fed a lot of money. So they have room to fight. Plus the fact they have all that money that they've built up over the past couple of years because of the explosion of Fortnite. And you're talking about also the games that are powered by the Unreal Engine. So I'm sure that they get either you know a wholesale price that they they got for for selling the engine to them or they get a cut of whatever game that that's been produced out on it so there are all these variables that epic is still garnering money from and they have the time they're willing to buy their time against apple and google and i don't know my friend this is just going to get more uglier by the week yeah and again i also think it depends heavily or relies heavily on this uh, investigation into Apple and Google and all that and and the direction that that takes as well. Absolutely. What are your thoughts out there on what's going on between Epic and Apple and Google? Are you a big fan of Fortnite? Do you think this is quite unfair to Epic? And do you think also as well Apple and Google have some rights in this situation? But you want to hear your side on which side you're on. You want to hear your thoughts on which side you're on. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Again, I think it comes down to the point where maybe Apple and Google need to reevaluate their earnings and how much they take off of, of these games that publish on their platforms. But share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but one last thing before we head on out, and that is Haunted Mansion. It's a movie that has been greenlit for development, but not Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion, a new envisioning of haunted mansion which itself is being rebooted because we there was the eddie murphy version back in the day about what 20 years ago from disney two quick questions to ask you before we head on out and first is what's the deal going on with guillermo del toro because it seems like a lot of his projects like a new hellboy and and other stuff doesn't seem to ever materialize. And that's a shame because he is an Academy Award winning director. Mind you, he doesn't make the most popular films, but he is an Academy Award winning director. So why is his stuff overlooked so often? Yeah, he doesn't make the greatest of films, but I would certainly say that his films are quite beautiful. You know, you look at the just the creatures in Hellboy, you look at Pan's Labyrinth was an amazing film. Anything Guillermo del Toro was involved in, he puts a lot of time and effort into it. And so I think the issue here is that he excels at making these big set pieces, beautiful creatures, beautiful world, but it just takes him a really long time to do it. So I have this feeling that Hellboy 3 would have come out had it not been two or three years before he's able to get to the project. I think people wanted that money now. Same thing with Haunted Mansion. I know this was something he said he wanted to do but it was going to take him four or five years to get to it. I think that Disney eventually just lost patience and said, you know, we're scrapping this whole thing. So he takes a long time to do anything, but the things that he does do, they come out really well. And it's such a shame because his movies are more art pieces than anything else. And they just take a long time to make. And I think a lot of studios just kind of lose patience with that. And it's a shame because he's a very talented man. 
He is. He is very talented. Obviously, the fact that he has won an Academy Award for Best Picture, The Shape of Water, it goes right there without saying. But that leads me into my second question. Since a Haunted Mansion movie is in development with other writers and developers, and that is this. Haunted Mansion is not the movie I would go ahead and remake. But again, Disney is going to borrow from everything. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know somebody else like Kelly Lanigan, he talked about uh, the questioning why X-Files is going to be remade as an animated comedy. But, you know, it's just we're borrowing from old ideas constantly. But we got to do for content, I guess. But if you were to make a Disney movie off of a ride at Disney World, Disneyland, Euro Disney, Disney Overseas, what ride would you make the movie out of? I think I would do Thunder Mountain. It's an interesting ride. It's a really interesting ride. And it, it has, I feel like you could do some kind of like really cool adventure story there, like an Indiana Jones type thing. But, you know, Haunted Mansion, here's my thoughts on Haunted Mansion. I think it would make a fantastic film. I don't see it being a franchise of films, though. Like, like you make a horror, a semi-horror movie. I don't think it can be a comedy. It needs to be something that's like kind of a little more grounded, maybe have some comedic moments in it. That could be cool. The Eddie Murphy route was the wrong way to go, but there are so many stories to tell within the Haunted Mansion. And if they were to just like pick five or six of them and do them well within the course of like a modern film, somebody staying at this house, like that could be really good. But I, I see the Haunted Mansion, again, as one of those properties that like, oh, so-and-so like this character. Let's make six movies about that. Like, it's that's what Disney does. And I don't think the Haunted Mansion is the right movie for that. I would make Thunder Mountain. What would you make? It's easy for me. It could potentially reinvigorate the Star Wars franchise. Rise of the Resistance. The best ride I've ever been on. And it's even better than any of the most recent trilogy movies. When you've got a seven-minute ride that is better than any of the most recent trilogy movies, I would love to see something based off that because that would be just incredible. The whole ambiance of you going in, being captured. Oh, it was just, it was so good uh, of a ride. It was so good of experience being captured, being taken to and led to Kylo Ren and just all the things and all the parameters that you had to go ahead and go through in the ride. It is just a great experience as you go ahead and you escape and the the resistance really helps you out in, in that end. It makes a compelling story for also the resistance. You feel more for both sides than you ever did in the most recent three movies. And that's, that to me is a shame for the three movies, but it makes for a great experience for a ride, so I'd love to see it as far as a Star Wars Rise of the Resistance movie, if it were ever made. But you won't, probably won't, because yeah. John, John Boyega says he wants no more Star Wars. Daisy Ridley probably wants no more Star Wars, so you probably won't get it. Yeah, I mean, and from what we've seen, you can't blame him, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, Star Wars definitely, like... With the next movie that comes out, they have a lot riding on this because the next film could literally make or break that franchise. It could take the value. It's kind of the value of the franchise right now is kind of like wavering, but this could really like take it up or just destroy it completely. So they, Disney's got a lot of thinking they got to do for this. Absolutely. They've got a lot of thinking indeed. But what are your thoughts on a ride that you would love to see turn into a movie from Disneyland, Disney World, wherever? As far as the Disney parks are concerned, 
What would you love to see turned into a, a movie from Disney? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, our respects to Chadwick Boseman and his family as we as we continue our, our thoughts. Again, if you have any thoughts on the passing of Chadwick Boseman, please share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, on any of our social media. We'd love to hear them. And to the family, once again, of Chadwick Boseman, our ultimate respect. And thank you, Chadwick, for everything that you did for pop culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Claire here with a special announcement. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't cancel Dr. Geek's laboratory. It fell into development purgatory thanks to MacGuffinite crystals or some such science from fiction nonsense. I've put an end to that. I locked all the staff inside the laboratory for the duration of the crisis. Now they can create 24-7 without petty distractions like home lives or free will. Look for new Dr. Geek episodes coming soon. The gay dynamics last up against the wall when the robots rise. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.